Hey, this is Jack Hughes from Wang Chun. You're listening to the New Wave Music Podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the New Wave Music Podcast. I am T-Bone, as always, and along with me is Steve. Uh, We are thrilled to have a special guest uh, with us today. If you recognize Dancing Girls... So we bring on the dancing girls Take off the cold White boy. You'll know that we're talking about Nick Kershaw. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Good to be here. So, Nick, we've asked other artists if they ever get tired of playing their older hits. All have said that they don't because those songs were made, those songs made them for who they are. What are your thoughts on this subject? Yeah, I think you'll probably hear similar from me, really. I, I think every artist goes through a stage of uh, of being a bit fed up with them over the years and, and, and at some points resenting them. I think I did sort of, when I started making records again at the end of 90, end of the 90s, into the 2000s. It, that it, yeah, it was kind. Of, it became a problem. Really, the old songs were kind of distracting, and every, everybody just wanted to know about the old days and you know how how big my hair was and and all that kind of stuff, which was you know. And and I kind of I, I must admit at the time I thought you know it would be good to start again if I could just start again with these new songs and and people might pay attention to them. And, you know, this is great. Please listen to these songs. But you know what? I, once it came out the other side, then you and you suddenly realise um, what a, what a great thing those songs are. What a, um, and and exactly they've 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 brought me to where I am today. They've 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 enabled me to have a a, a long um, career in in writing and, and making music. Um, and if it wasn't for those songs, I'd probably still be working in a in an unemployment benefit office. <laughs> One of our listeners kind of had an unusual question, but I thought it was interesting. How do you feel about wouldn't it be good? Being used in the showgirls, the musical as the opening number. I, I, I was blissfully unaware of that fact. Actually, I didn't know that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a. Uh, I mean, it's not Broadway, or, or I think it's off Broadway, or it's very, very low how, end. How theater, far but... off Broadway? Are we talking meters or, or 
miles away. We're talking a long way off Broadway. I can probably <laughs> yeah, I get a feeling it is, but yeah, that song is used in Showgirls the <laughs> Musical, and I, I, you know, I got to be honest with you, I didn't know that either. But <laughs> so wow. this was kind of news to you, huh? Yeah, I'm going to somehow have to get. I'm going to have to get some kind of um, visual and 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 audible <laughs> proof of that somewhere. I'm yeah. going to have to track that down. <laughs> You also might want to talk to your attorney and see if you can get some residual. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's, it's all, done, all done through the proper channels. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Nick, speaking of wouldn't it be good, another question one of our listeners ha- had, they were curious about the song was featured in Pretty in Pink, but yet it was a cover. Was there a reason they went with a cover versus your original? I'm, I'm still trying to figure that one out, to be honest, because... <laughs> at, at, at the time, I, we, they were trying to break me as an artist in in in, in the US, and I, I when was I'm just trying to think when Pretty in Pink was because it was pretty much about the same time as as my record was out. So it, it seemed insane to me that I wasn't singing it on the on the you know they just didn't use my version. I, I don't know what the what the what the uh, the reason for it was, and I, I've never been informed. So yeah, I was scratching my head about that one as well. Yeah, you know, that version is okay, but uh, yeah, I mean, we we obviously knew your version because it had been somewhat recently uh, released, and I like your version far better, and so yeah, it was kind of a curiosity when that happened. Yeah, but you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm, I was the songwriter as well as the artist, so I, I did benefit in some way, shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. And one of our last listener questions we had was, they want to know why uh, don't you tour the... Why didn't you tour the U.S. more in the '80s? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I think I came over twice. Really, that was the only time I came over once to just play a few club shows in 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 on the East and West Coast, and then I toured with with Paul Young, which was hugely enjoyable, and we had some great crowds and some great gigs. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of because because the the it never turned into record sales. Um, it was all, always an issue for promoters, I think, to actually sort of put their money behind any any kind of touring. So it just kind of it never happened, and I was I kind of was busy touring places where I did sell records. Really, that's that's kind of the s- simple answer to that question. Do you do more festivals now, or do you tour England and Europe and and so forth currently? No, it's it's mainly festivals. It, 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 uh, truth be told, um, I'm. I'm kind of am I semi-retired? I don't know what I don't know what you call it, but kind of when you've never had a proper job, you can't really retire, can you? So, uh, um, yeah, I do. I do mainly festivals and one-off shows and stuff. Um, we we have we do occasionally tour. I've got um, you know I've toured Germany and and Scandinavia and 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 Europe, and we've done little tours in 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 Australia and 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 such like and Japan, but um. It's a and nowadays it's just a very very expensive thing to do oh. to tour and it's 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 um it's and it's getting even more expensive. We're trying to put a tour together now for you know sometime in the next couple of years in the UK and it's 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 proving um you know problematical as far as money concerned because it's literally yeah. all about putting bums on seats and you have to put more bums on seats nowadays to do a tour than you did um you know 
even five years ago. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because we recently saw Midviewer. Um, he did a tour that was just him on an acoustic guitar, yeah. and uh, he he asked que- or he let the audience ask questions about him or his music, and uh, then he would play that song or talk about it. And uh, yeah. uh, I know that's a much cheaper way to do a tour. Maybe something to think about. It, well, it certainly is, and I have done uh, similar things over here. You know, I've, I've done a, a sort of acoustic shows, although I have to say it's quite terrifying. Just, <laughs> been, <laughs> but, but it's, it's very you feel very exposed and vulnerable sitting up there oh, on your imagine. own. But um, yeah, uh, ultimately, very re- rewarding. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've, I've you know if 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 I have the profile in the in the states to to, to be even to be able to, you know do that and fill up sort of two three four hundred seat small theater or something i I'm, I'm i'm not sure um and there has to be you know again there has to be a promoter willing to to take sure. that risk with me but you well, know you, i'm never never say never talk to midge you could do a dual show together yeah well i, I know Midge quite well so that was you know um he, he's he's great and he, he he does a lot of those shows I and mean, he does a lot of those over here as well so next up uh, you've written hits for chesney hawks to sia to elton john uh, but who is the most unusual or or maybe the better word is unexpected artist that you've collaborated with and you oh i don't i mean f- first of all can i just set the record straight on that written hits for sia that's not <laughs> i've written a song with sia but it's still sitting on my shelf so ah. It never saw the light of day, but it's um, and I think it's a pretty good song. But there you go, that's the way <laughs> these things work. Um, most unusual, I don't know really, because um, I, I, it's not something I do anymore. I've, I've kind of I stopped doing that at the sort of beginning of the two thousands, and there was nothing that surprising. I mean, I, I I did I did sort of, you know, I I wrote with people at record companies sent me um, new upcoming artists, and I wrote with. Um, a few established artists but no one hugely um no i can't i can't think of anything that that would be be an acceptable answer to that question to be honest okay no that's fair enough (laughs) um i've seen the video of you playing the mega hit the one and only live Even though you wrote it for someone else, it, it really, of course, has that Nick Kershaw sound. Have you ever thought of recording it for one of your own albums? No, not really. And, and it was never it was never meant for me in the first place. When when I made it, made a decision at the end of the the uh, the eighties, sort of eighty nine time, to take a step back and and just concentrate on songwriting and production, um, that was pretty much the first song out of the out of the can. And it, it just. But even at the time, I remember sort of listening back to it and thinking, "Yeah, that's that, that's okay." But it's, it sounds a bit something I might have recorded sort of ten years previously. It didn't seem like I was making, you know, breaking any glass ceilings or anything. So I, I kind of I just stuck it on a shelf for uh, for a few years, and then and then Chesney's dad came along and, and and discovered it, and and the rest is history, as they say. And I do play it live because it's a great song to play, and I, I and it's always good to have a few hits under your belt when you're when it. You're doing a live gig just to keep people engaged. And I just love playing it and sharing it with, with an audience, you know. But uh, um, I recently remixed it for, for Chez and, and, and brought it a little bit into the 
um, the 21st century, but, um, it's, um, yeah, it's weird. I don't, I can't, unless I think of something really dramatically different to do with it. No, I probably wouldn't record it again. Are you surprised how, uh, big a hit that turned out to be for him? Yes, I was. And there were a lot of people around Chess that were surprised about it as well, because uh, when I think, when Len uh, Chiz's dad discovered it, he took it to the to the film because it was a it, it was a film soundtrack that the, mm-hmm. it was all based around. And he took it to the film people and said, "Look, I've got this song, and we could use it to promote the record." And none of them really were really up for it at all. So it was it was oh. it was um, it was really Chez and and his dad that that pushed the whole thing. Um, and yeah, I'm all, I'm always surprised when th- <coughs> when when something is ex- as successful as that. You know, it's never it's never something I've ever taken for granted that it's going to happen. Absolutely. Um, and and no, that was that was really quite a, unbelievable. Right? That 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 few you know that sort of six week period when it was uh, climbing up the charts, and then and then it was there for like five weeks after that at number one. That was that was pretty insane. <laughs> And I did nothing. I just sat there and watched <laughs> fly out the charts and watched, watched Chesney do all the work. <laughs> well, let's talk about your new album. I think, Steve, you've got the next question. Yeah, so Nick, you wrote and recorded Oxymoron before the pandemic. And many of the lyrics uh, seem almost to be directly related, such as the lyrics in The Chosen Ones. Here we are safe, we are wrapped in our bubble. Disinfected trouble We can't begin to know The yeah. lyrics wrapped in our bubble of disinfected trouble. Were you surprised by the coincidence? Uh, what can I tell you? I'm a, I'm a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that is weirdly, that seems to happen occasionally, you know, and you write, you write a song that just kind of resonates with what's going on. I think, I think things are cyclic and... and and something's going to happen at some point in time that that relates to uh, some lyrics that you've written, you know. Mm, yeah, I've written lyrics in the past, and people have gone, "Is that about that?" And I'm going, "Well, not really. It just happens that that happened after I'd written the song." That's just no. It's 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 um yeah. No, the, but the, you're right. There, those there are a few lyrics, especially in the chosen ones, that you think, "Oh, that's that's a bit spooky," but no. <laughs> But I can't claim to have any divine knowledge or anything that, you know. <laughs> so, Nick, you're a multi-instrumentalist. Uh, you, you play guitar, drums, percussion. You do drum programming on the new album. Uh, do you, but, you know, you don't play everything. And do you have particular musicians that you like working with on your albums? Or do you mix it up each time? I mix it up, really, because it's it's kind of, I've always done this ever since the, uh, you know, because when I started making records, um I didn't have a band. It was just, it was just kind of, it was me and, and, and a producer and an engineer. And we just bringing in session people when we needed them. And, and, and over the years, that's just kind of been the way I've done it because it's, it's, it's a luxury. You know, I, I love being in a studio and taking my time and getting things exactly how I want them. It, um, and, and it's, it's, it's pretty much anybody's on the end of a telephone, really. I mean, I remember recording my fourth album in, in Los Angeles um and the producer peter wolf just sort of picked up his file effects because they were file effects days and just said look well, okay who do you who do you want to who do you want on drums then <laughs> so i'm like well 
Okay, Jeff, Jeff Bakari is quite good, isn't he? And um, Vinny Colliuta, yeah, I can have him. And, and then you've got Jerry Hay, Larry Williams. All those guys are on the end of a telephone. You know, it's just, it, it's insane. So if you can use these guys, I mean, why wouldn't you? So I've, I've always... I've I've always kind of done that, but I I mean more recently I've 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 done a lot on my own uh, and built it up to a certain level and then just sort of added musicians on on top of it really or just replaced things with with musicians. But it's just it is nice using different people because um, it just it doesn't seem like the same process all the time. It just keeps me interested and engaged. You have said, I read this, uh, that writing songs doesn't come easier with age. And the 16 songs on Oxymoron, you're proud of each and every one of them. But do you have a particular one that stands out as a favorite? It, that kind of changes. I'll get, I get asked it. I've been asked it about three times in the last two weeks, and I've oh. given a, a different answer every time. <laughs> Partly because I can't remember. Uh, what songs were on oxymoron because it's, t- it's two years ago and they've kind of gone and partly because i've got i kind of I, uh, I i've i have different reasons for liking things i think one that i pick out is is babylon brothers It's it's very personal to me, and it, there's loads of references about my formative years and growing up in, in a small town in in the UK, and the friends I had around me, and we just played each other music and watched the old Grey Whistle Test on the TV, and just just soaked up all this stuff, you know. So I mean, there there are loads of references to bands and songs in in that in that in that song. So I think I, I do, you know, I really like the way that one turned out. That, that is an excellent song, but I must say that She Gets Me is my favorite song on the new album. Okay. She understands, she knows me. She frees my hands, she lets me be all I can. She loves me, but mostly she gets me. The right. melody, especially during the chorus, is just stunningly beautiful. I absolutely love it. Um, what was your inspiration for this amazing song? Well, if I said anything other than my wife, I'd be in a bit of trouble, wouldn't I, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's just meeting someone who who, who you, you um. Who gets you? You know, not not the not the, the not the pretend you, not the one that puts on you know airs and graces and and pretends there's someone else. It's, it, it completely gets who you are and accepts who you are for all your yeah. all yeah, your faults. I, I just find it to be a, a just beautiful, stunning song. I, I it really moved me. I appreciate that one. Oh, thank you. And uh, Nick, your album before this one eight was released in 2012. So eight years before Ox- 2020's Oxymoron, when do you start putting the, putting this album together? When did I start putting Oxymoron together? Yeah. Um, about eight years before, I guess. <laughs> it, was, it takes time. There are songs, no, there are songs on there from, there's a song on there from 2003. Oh. So in fact, um, which is, uh, trying to remember, um, the best I can. I won't be fighting any 
I wrote that for a, for for a festival in um, uh, a, a folk festival. I played for Fairport Convention. Have this kind of property festival that they play every year, and I, and they put me on this solo acoustic spot, which is terrifying. And um, <laughs> I wrote that song for that. But um, was that two thousand? No, that would have been two thousand and ten. Um, okay, it wasn't. Too, anyway. Old songs. There were there was bits and pieces of songs from you know even decades ago, which which ended up on on the album. It just that the, their time hadn't come until that until Oxymoron, I guess. But the bulk, a, a lot of them were written sort of maybe three years before release. They were kind of I, 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 it, it goes it goes dead in the water for a while, and then all of a sudden I'll have a, a, a burst of energy and and. and there's a good sort of handful of songs on there that I that came out of just me sitting with an acoustic guitar and just and a, a microphone and just making noises for you know four or five days and and then um, and I saw, and then there's another point where I sort of said well I was going to write a song a day for about two weeks um, having you know written one song in a year for the previous two years so i was going to write a song a day uh, regardless of, i wouldn't think about it too much i'll just write the song get it done and just put it away and then maybe listen to it later um and then and then out of those i mean maybe four or five songs came out of that just those oh. the kind of which is remarkable for me because songs take uh, that I just take ages writing a song. <laughs> it, it I might have tweaked them afterwards, but yeah, the, but the, the bulk of the songs were written in, in one day. Nice. Uh, you mentioned uh, a bit ago about enjoying recording in a studio. Um, and I know you did oxymoron before the pandemic hit and everything, but have you recorded anything since the uh, pandemic? And do do you, do that remotely like a lot of artists have done um i've the, the only thing i've done since recording wise is 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 a thing called songs from the shelf which which is uh, I'm, I'm doing a little i'm dropping a series of eps um digital digitally um which consist of songs that i wrote in the sort of 90s and 2000s hmm. um songs i wrote for other people songs that i wrote just out of the blue but didn't have a home for and, and I, they just got stuck on a shelf somewhere so i, I went I, I found some old sort of dat tapes um a couple of years ago when i moved house um and then i, I borrowed somebody's dat player because i didn't have a machine to play them on <laughs> and i just i just played i just recorded them all on my computer just so i had a, 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 a easily accessible record of them and and so over a period of time I just played them back to myself and, and thought well actually that one's that one's pretty good. That that deserves to be heard. That one, that one's pretty good. That I could do that. So, there were six songs that are out now. Songs, songs from the shelf, part one, and I'm I'm currently recording songs from the shelf, part two. But um, but these are literally, I'm not even involving uh, songs from the shelf, part one. Didn't have anybody else involved at all. Oh, okay. it's just kind of just me in a studio. Nice. And Nick, I'm, I'm really looking forward to part two. I really enjoyed uh, songs from the shelf part one, especially the songs "Come On Down." Come on down, come on down, the fun and games. 
hope and glory. the ones you love is but you scream and shout and you scream it like you need it because you love to hurt the one you love to hurt the one you love to hurt the one you love probably one of my new favorite nick kershaw songs oh wow okay really looking forward to part two yeah well it's it's i'd have to say it's three quarters of the way there and i hope to be i mean I'm, i've got i'm touring germany in in um november onwards and i hope to have it basically finished by then and, and ready to give to my digital distributor when you talk about these uh uh the shows that you're putting on whether it be festivals or smaller uh uh tours are you able to throw in some of these newer songs uh, uh, as well as from your more recent albums such as eight it depends on the on the festival, really. I mean, m- usually, mainly festivals. No, I, I wouldn't do that. I mean, you're on, you've got limited limited amount of time, and and an audience that isn't specifically yours. You know, they haven't mm. just come to see you. They've come to see you. Don't know who they've come to see, basically. Yeah. So, it's the hits and things that they're going to be familiar with, and maybe I'll I'll slip one or two in there that that don't f- fit in fit in there, but um. But often my own shows, yeah, when, I haven't done my own shows for a long time, but w- w- when I do, I've got a, an audience that's actually bought a ticket to come and see me and probably has yeah. knowledge of those songs. So, yeah, I'll I'll, 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 I'll do, I'll, yeah, a combination of, I'll, I'll still play the hits because I like playing the hits and they like oh. listening to them. So I'll still do that. But, you know, with my own shows, yeah, it's good to, to be able to play some more obscure things. Right. Yeah, I'd really be interested in in what the reaction of the crowd is to the more more recent or newer songs, because, you know, I mean, yeah, everybody wants to hear the hits and everything. But yeah. there's some really quality songs uh, that you have done in the past, you know, 15 years that um, I, I think crowds would really dig. Yeah, well, we do. I mean, I, I've, I've thrown a few obscure ones in, in, the, in a couple of I mean, if you've got maybe sort of 45 minutes, maybe you've got an hour of hour and a quarter on on a festival I'll, I'll i'll throw a few things in there yeah there was i think we we did we did one in switzerland a couple of weeks ago and we we threw the chosen ones and in, in there and and i think there was a really obscure track from the 15 minutes album from oh. from 1999 you know but and they went down okay this they're kind of you know it's because it was a good generous kind responsive gracious crowd good. they're good. not always <laughs> Nick, you recently just released a single with Izzy Kershaw, Paranoid. How was it working on this single with your daughter? It was it was a weird process really because I got I um she, it was her suggestion that we did it because I've never wanted to be she's always been very conscious of being Nick Kershaw's daughter mm. so that there's all 
and I've I've never wanted to push that and and um, but it's the first time that she came to me and said, "Dad, would you want to do you want to do something together?" And I thought, well, yeah, that'd be great. Um, it was mostly her her song that she brought to me. Mm. Um, she's got a particular style of of, of her own and stuff, and I, I, we and we just kind of I. It was. It's mainly her, m- m- mainly her, and I, I. I. I have a little bit of input in the middle eight. I think I wrote a bit of the middle eight, and but she, all my ninety percent of the guitars and and the and the production is is her thing. And I just kind of sat there and watched her do her thing, really. And in fact, probably learnt learnt more than she did from me, to be honest. <laughs> well, is she a? And I don't know if established is the right word, but is she a working artist also? Well, she's she she hasn't had a lot of luck in in that respect. Then she's kind of she's still she's still kind of working on that and not giving it up and 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 yeah. and giving it a best shot, you know. And I can't I can only admire her for, for that. Um, but you know, I, 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 I mean, it amazes me that anybody can actually make a living out of. <laughs> making music yeah. nowadays so yeah, nowadays there's the dad in me that thinks that you know what a stupid <laughs> you don't you don't want to come into this business you want to you know get yourself a proper job and and, and get yourself some <laughs> security and and whatever but um there's also the part of me that's very proud of her as a dad she's a star yeah absolutely <laughs> You know, unless this is a touchy subject, I did want to ask you about the album B-Sides released this summer. We were yeah. told that this album was not endorsed by you. Uh, do you have any comments on that? Um, in, well, it's a bit, it's kind of, saying it's not endorsed by me is is, is, is a bit strong, really, I think. I, I, I didn't know anything about it, put ah. it that way, when it came out. Um, which, I mean, Universal, Universal own all the MCA catalogue and, you know, I understand that. That's that's the way deals ha- were in in the nineteen eighties, and they they own those recordings. They can do what they want with them. Basically, um, I, I, over the years they've been very good, and and they've always notified me and let me know things and ask my opinion on things and blah blah blah. And they always, if if, if there's a song going on a compilation somewhere, or or somebody wants to use the song on a movie or, or whatever, they always come to me and um, we, we've got an ongoing conversation about that. But mysteriously, I didn't know anything about this remix album or the, or the B sides until they actually came out, you know? So um, it, it, it's fine. I mean, and some, there's some good B sides as well. So I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not upset that it's out there. I just kind of, it's just a bit weird that I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's one of those albums that definitely is worth picking up for our listeners. I th- well, I think so. Yeah, I mean, B side. You know, there was a reason why they, it wasn't. They weren't A sides. You know, let's be clear about that. Um, and usually, uh, at the time, they they were usually recorded in a hurry. Some of the B sides, but but the, but the good thing about them is that you didn't think about them that much. They were kind of oh, Christ, we need a B side, and 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 you might do something really good by accident. You know, oh, absolutely, not thinking about it. So there's there's some pretty good. There's a couple of good songs on there. Yeah. Well, Nick, we want to thank you for your time and coming on here and joining us on the New Wave Music Podcast. Well, many thanks. It's been, it's been fun talking to you guys. Thanks, T-Bones. Thanks, Steve. 